Welcome to the RSP Cast. I'm Matt Waldman with the Rookie Scouting Portfolio. This is an episode of Scout Talk, and joining me is a returning guest, Will Hewlett. Will Hewlett is a quarterback coach, high school football coach now. Yes. For, former starting quarterback at Stanford. Um, uh, yeah, not way Stanford. back in the day. <laughs> actually, I was <laughs> not at Stanford. Actually, not that uh, I was at University of Dubuque and uh, University of Nevada prior to that. But um, that's right. I've known some starting quarterbacks at Stanford. That's right. You have known a few starting <laughs> yeah. quarterbacks. But welcome back to the show, Will. Thanks so much for joining us. And you know, I, you know, we've done a we've done a number of shows in the past. You know, talking about development. You and Rich Bartell, another quarterback sure. yeah. coach, and then you and I have done some film room studies in the past where we looked at Marcus Mariota and Jameis Winston and Connor Absolutely. Cook. Um, yep. So I just thought it'd be fun to just talk a little bit about development as a whole. I mean, you you work as a part of the QB Collective, which is a, yeah. you know, tell us a little bit about the QB Collective. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I think, it, so at its core, um, it's a coach's representation agency, um, Collective Sports Advisories, and um, uh, founded by Richmond Flowers, who, um, uh played in the NFL um, and then coached in the NFL and decided I didn't want to be a coach anymore. Um, you know, got into various businesses and then decided to get in the representation side. Um, and he was part of the Washington Redskins uh, Shanahan tree, so to say. Um, and so after a while in, in that, um, in that world, he started realizing that there was a market, um, a void, so to say, in the market of quarterback development um, and coaching, uh, you know, why are there all these NFL experts um, that and the, the the information that's available, um, it was lacking, so to say, from like an NFL standpoint. So QB Collective was kind of founded under the premise of, you know, connecting um, NFL style methodology to high school um, and, and uh, collegiate level athletes. Um, and so that was essentially inspiration, you know, bring um, current NFL coaches, former NFL coaches um, and, and players into a, uh, a setting where they get to work one on one, hands on with um, some of the rising stars in, in, um, in high school and college football. Nice. Yeah. So so it's interesting, though, because we talk, you know, talk about that. NFL connection and kind of closing that gap a little bit. <laughs> One of the things that's, you know, that struck me, I remember in some of our earlier conversations and conversations with others has been that, you know, the, the NFL at that point, because it's a, you know, as a, prof as a professional league, there's a fallacy I often hear from fans, which is the player's going to get coached up when they get into the league. And, and the, yeah. and tell me if I'm, Tell me if I'm off base here, but I've always kind of related it to based on what I've heard is like if your kid is in drama or they play in the band, you know, they they they, you know, football practice at, at even the college and pro levels are is more like a rehearsal more than a practice, sure. you know, so it's like you get everybody together, you get some warm ups, you have drills mm -hmm. that can be very valuable if you spend, you know every day yeah. doing them for an extended period of time by yourself or with somebody who's guiding you through them and giving you feedback yep. and critiquing <laughs> but that's a warm-up and then it's time to learn the scheme it's time to install the game plan and you're rehearsing as a unit together more than you are the the position coach saying the position right. coach i would imagine saying hey these are things you need to work on but it's up to you to do that or to get extra help or to seek out extra help to do that Sure. Yeah, no, I, I think you've, you've kind of nailed it there. Um, what real development goes on at the NFL level, um, if any, right? Right. Um, and so uh, I think that's that there's a lot of truth to that. Um, I think there's a lot of truth to that in college football. And I've heard coaches say directly to me, like, if, if it, you know, if we use throwing as an example, um, specific to quarterbacks, you know, if he can't throw by the time he gets here, uh, there's nothing I can do. Um, so I think I think it, there's a mistaken, um, you know, we, we think quarterback coaches are all throwing coaches, and that couldn't be more further from the truth. Right. Um, quarterback coaches are more 
advises and suggestors of uh, an approach, maybe like, hey, I think this throw should be like this. Um, you know, that doesn't look right. Uh, you maybe you're thinking too much about this. Um, it, it's and I don't blame quarterback coaches. Um, it's impossible to be a, uh, you know, it, it would be like asking a, a someone who's a, a, a specializes in knee surgeries to like operate on someone's eye. It's like, it's two different, I know it's part of the human body, right? You know, they're both doctors. <laughs> right. They could have both gone to the same school, but um, yeah, throwing um, is, is, a, a piece of the puzzle, a large piece of the puzzle for playing quarterback. And, and so I think in the NFL and, and, and the college level, um, you know, you're, there's de the development I think that's going to take place is, is more in the, the form of um, uh, understanding how to process, you know, how to work through the plays, how to process the plays, um, uh, how to, you know, it's the little nuances and things that are often overlooked. I think are very, very important. Um, I, I uh, work with a young man. I'm trying to think of um, if I can even say who this is and where it is, but it's one of the 32 NFL teams. And um, there was a very well-respected long time uh, QB whisperer um, head coach, um, very demanding. And, and we talked about um, his approach to coaching him specifically through um, a play. And, and the description the quarterback gave me was that if I got the ball to the progress, to the person he wanted the ball to go to, you know, where, wherever it was in the progression, he literally didn't care how it got there in terms of like the type of drop you're taking, um, how the throw looked. It's like, if you accomplished this to this, then we're good to go. Um, you know, then it was like, if you didn't, then you would be, you know, kind of coached up on, you know, or yelled at or whatever um, in the doghouse on, on maybe a better way to do it. But what you find, I think, is that at that level, if you're, if you're getting things done, I think the coaches will generally adapt a little bit more to the player rather than the other way around. Um, and then um, the other thing with the NFL too, is there's such a, a vast gap between a veteran NFL quarterback and a rookie NFL quarterback that, you know, again, a veteran is, it, it's almost like a QB coach. And this is not a knock on quarterback coaches at the NFL level, but, you know, there's somewhat of a caddy to the quarterback coach. I mean, like, what, what, like, what, what would I be able to tell Aaron Rodgers? Like, what, you know, like, yeah. what would I, what could I tell him? <laughs> right. So it's maybe you're another set of eyes. Um, you're the, you know, you're going to communicate through the offensive coordinator. Um, and, and so, yeah, I, I think, and I think the, the best, the top level, there is definitely coaching going going on in standards, but now there's just a, an entire um, universe and and uh, of of outside coaches that make a living from preparing, um, you know, all levels of quarterbacks now, and it, it's it's accepted. It's accepted at the NFL level, it's accepted at the college level, um, and and for the most part at the high school level, where you you're off-season coach is not who your in-season coach is that makes sense i mean it seems to me like that a lot of quarterback coaches or position coaches overall are often they can be specialists even though their right. role may not be a specialist but they're often generalists and then yes. i've often heard you know one end of the spectrum you have dedicated diehard specialists who played the position who or who've yep. under researched it and under really understand it and then i've heard the other end of the spectrum where um they're generalists who maybe played different positions but yeah they've read some coaching books and they yep. have a template of what they want to have done whether it's at the end result or a certain yep. process and they stick to that and and the the benefit of that is that they can obviously they can teach people a certain way and understand how to hold people accountable to a certain process and identify right. gaps in that. But the, the, the problem with that too can be as my, as my friend Ryan Riddle has often said when he was a Cal during Aaron Rodgers time, he was a, yeah. a, a DE and he would say my position coach, you know, didn't play defensive line. He was a wide right. receiver and then he's at Cal at, at, you know, playing this. And we had a really strong group of guys. He goes, but, I had a different way of pat rushing the passer. You know, I was 
very technique oriented, but I was very strategic with certain things. And I took some sure. chances in the way that maybe a Kyle Van Noy, who's an outside linebacker for the Patriots, takes a lot of chances. And maybe he didn't fit in early on in, in one, you know, in Detroit. But yeah. Bill Belichick said, this is what works for you. We can we can create some packages that work very well for right. what you do well because you are a risk taker and you're creative and you're able to but you identify the right times to do these things. Absolutely. And Ryan was the same way and he said he had he kind of had early on had to work with his coach and his coach would you know was because of his coach's experience from his perspective was the coach was like, listen, this is how I want you guys to do it and and Ryan said, I understand that. But we've got four guys who are really talented here who aren't getting to play to their fullest ability doing it this way. If you allow us a little more room to freelance, a little more room to play yeah. this way, we are going to be very good for you. And, he's, and you know, he had to overcome the hurdle and manage upward. And the coach, you know, obviously, it, you know, especially from his frame of reference and what he learned, his response was, well, don't screw it up because if you screw it up, then, you know, we're going back to That's, this, you know, and that was how it was. But, you know, they didn't screw it up and they ended up having a, you know, having a very strong defense as a result of that. But it's that, you know, I've heard from that. I've heard from David Agono, who does some writing for me, who's played at, you know, um, West Virginia, who's a safety and also played at, um, out in Arizona. He talked about position coaches in the same way. So it's. It's fascinating how that dynamic is so varied. And then in the NFL, you think about just the fact that it is about getting the job done. And there's always new people coming in. So if you yeah. don't get the talent that's ready now, the, the idea of investing that much time into them at this stage, from what you're saying, I can see how they just look at that and say, that's kind of a non-starter for us. If it happens and the guy develops, yeah. that's great. But... I mean, we're going to, we're, you know, contracts aren't usually guaranteed and we're, we're going to cycle more guys in until we find somebody. No, no doubt. I mean, it, it's, it's a, uh, I love this quote. Um, Brian Billick, the old uh, Ravens yeah. head coach, you can't win with a QB that only does what he's told or nothing that he's told, you know? And <laughs> I think it's, that's, a, that's a great way to look at coaching because, because, you know, there's. I think the the inner battle we play as as a coach or as a teacher is that that you know we always we feel like that feedback, lots of feedback and lots of coaching is you know more is better. And what I found is that there's a um, there's a balance. I mean, there's a balance between how much and when not. Sometimes again, sometimes the best coaching is is no coaching, and and no coaching is coaching. Like choosing not to say something in a moment of failure and let them work through it and move on. Um, it may be hard to, to, to deal with, but it's like, you know, imagine trying to coach your toddler every time they, when they just learn to walk, you know, like, Hey, no, you got to put one foot here and one foot here. No, they're going to fall over a bunch. They're going to crash their bikes a bunch. Um, so I think that, you know, that the, the failure is a part of it. I totally get it. At some point you got to like run the offense and you got to make the right reads um, but yeah, that balancing act we play as coaches, um, you know, I deal with it personally at, at the high school level. Um, and then, you know, in, in my, my, my throwing mechanics world, um, it's a big part of how I coach, um, learning just to embrace it and work through it and come from the other side. Cause I have to imagine that there's a paralysis by analysis at that point by the player. I mean, it's, you know, when you're, you know, I think about lessons, I'm learning how to play the bass right now with somebody with a yeah. professional and, and, you know, he has me do the same, it's the same thing. He teaches me sometimes where it's like, okay, what did you do? And you figure it out. You know, we're going to sit here and have you work it out because yep. if he explains to me, well, it's the, it's on the fifth thread on the third string, I'm already lost, even though there's only four strings and there's 21 yeah. threat frets, but I'm, you know, you're thinking too much about the minutia and I'm not that fluent in it yet, yet playing five months. You know, it's like, I know that I know two strings pretty well. Yeah. The other two, <laughs> I feel like I'm lost in the aisles of a grocery store looking for, right. you know, looking for some sort of food item that I never shop for, you know? So it's a, and I have to think it's, it's similar in that respect. So where's a point though, that like when I evaluate, when I'm evaluating quarters for like, 
quarterbacks for my publication and I'm identifying mm-hmm. things and, and I'm thinking, okay, well, you know, here's a player who, you know, we watch Jameis Winston, you know, you watch, yeah. he's a great example. He, sure. He's a guy who's, whose feet always seem to to lag behind the the upper half of his body. You know, right. it was like, it was like his mind was ahead of his body. And then when you see him early in the season in new Orleans, and he's worked on that. And suddenly uh-huh. you're looking at him and going, wow, not only did that, it cleared up so much of, it opened the doors for his decision-making because you could literally see this was the guy who, who studied the game, who understood yep. the game. But maybe it was that he was so far, his body was so far behind what his mind was doing that it would oftentimes would detract from what he could see or respond to on the field where maybe he would, he was rushing to catch up to himself and then he, okay. he would lose track of what he was seeing and force throws in places he shouldn't or he couldn't even get to that point because he was so far behind. So when you see things like that as someone who's like, uh, you know, co- you know, throwing coach and you're looking at footwork, you know, I mean, to me, I look at it now and I feel like I, I, as someone who's just evaluating, I'm thinking, well, it's a dice roll if this guy's ever going to like, learn yeah. this in the NFL because is he going to take it on himself to do it? And is it going to take failure right. to a level where, you know, I mean, everybody fails, but you know, it's going to take that kind of season he had in Tampa where they were like, yeah, we're done, you know? Yeah. Well, I think it, it matters um, more than we, we probably give it credit to, but like where, where they land as, as a draft pick, like what team, what staff, um how they fit in the system and and so in a three collective i have a familiarity with the uh the shanahan tree and um that offense is designed to make it easier for the quarterback right i mean there's a lot up front in terms of the learning curve and what you have to you know you're you're an operator by nature um uh, but it's it's designed to support the quarterback And, and so i think that that's a huge factor is like where you land and what the staff is. It's like, it doesn't matter for some of these guys. Um, it, you know, you can ruin quarterbacks um, by, by, you know, just having the wrong system and the, the wrong style of coaching. I, I remember um, I had a young man that played for the, the, uh, the Vikings. who was a backup when Christian Ponda was drafted up there. And he was constantly told like, don't throw picks, don't throw picks, don't throw picks, you know, check it down, check it down, check it down. Um, you know, da, 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 da. and so the kid, the guy was like scared of throwing. Um, yeah. <laughs> he never took any chances. Peyton Manning still holds the uh, single season interception record. Doesn't he like, it's, right. It's, yeah. Presley, it's up there. Right. Yeah. Um, and I think, Brett again, Favre, I think Brett Favre threw, you know, a record, yeah. number, yeah. you know, so yeah. 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 Yeah, and again, and again, again, I get it. it's like the the curve of the NFL quarterback is is much larger in terms of, you know, you 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 can live with this guy for the next seventeen years or sixteen years or whatever it's going to be. Um, you got a quick turnover in in college and high school where you might get fired if you throw a bunch of interceptions. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think, and I, I, Mahomes is also, I think, a very good case study to look at. Um, I know for a fact that he was evaluated considerably lower as a draft pick um, by some teams and, and higher by others. Um, and so are you draft? Cause if you watch his tech film, I mean, it, it's fun. It's really fun. Right. But like, do, do you, do you even know what he's doing half the time? It's like, is he making this up as he goes along? And so the argument always is in the NFL, like it's like eventually that catches up now. I feel like we've seen a little bit of that this year for the first time where sure. the NFL was like, Hey, we're kind of figuring you out, buddy. However, um, you know, understanding some of the, um, you know, cognitive testing processes out there that have, that have been used with, with, um, draft picks, um, uh, Mahomes measures off the charts and a lot of, a lot of categories for uh, an athlete in terms of processing speed, field vision and, and being able to you know track multiple objects and things, he, so he's he's elite as anyone in in those categories. So, um, and you know that's not something that you test like through the wonder liquor, right? It's 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 understanding you know the yeah. processes of the brain and and how they you know um, and, how fast they can digest information, et cetera, under yeah. pressure. Yeah, and yeah. some of that showed up on film, but it was like the hard part with him, I think, too, was yeah. also 
learning what was the line between daring and reckless and right. like and i think that it's easy to a conservative look with him you can look and go he's just too reckless that's not going to happen in the nfl but yeah. then you can look at some a lot of plays and go that was daring because he saw yeah. the leverage he immediately let it go like the two guys who who I think really had in that class who had just a great understanding of leverage and the confidence to process and let it go the minute yep. they saw that leverage were you know Mahomes and Chad Kelly um and yeah. you know and who you know obviously you know off the field it, it, it he he didn't have the maturity to be able to to stay yep. in the league and, and get those chances. But those were the two guys that I thought, wow, as soon as they see it, it's out. And it's yeah. and they were confident in where to put it. Like they knew exactly where it needed to go. And you so it's like, but that's the hard part because it's like how do you teach that? How there's you can yeah. teach like to be you can I would think you can teach to be aware of it. Like you, you teach yeah. them, like say, this is what you should be doing, but it's like trying to teach timing and feel like you, you have yeah. to have it and then develop it. And then yeah. some people just have it to a, like such a yes. nth degree that it's hard to explain. Like it's hard. To, if you said to someone, you listen to music, you like, and said, God, that guy just has great time feel. How do you yeah. how do you do that? Like you can say, well, you put on a metronome and you play to this, but but what about can you play it a little ahead of the beat? Can you play a little behind the beat? How do you teach that? And you know, my teacher was saying, I you know he he worked with one of the great bass players in the world who was like couldn't explain it, couldn't explain yeah. how to teach feel. You know, yeah. How do you do that? No, I, I, quarterbacking. I I think to a certain extent you can. Um, and then there's limitations, like everything, right? Like 40 time, we can all get out 40 times better, but there's a ceiling on that. And and so um, establishing a ceiling, um, for example, you know, S2 Cognition, Sports Sense, a, a company that's uh, very popular in the MLB, um, the NFL and NCAA, growing popularity. They do the cognitive, cognitive testing for athletes, and they have a very um, comprehensive process. And, and so from, from the work and, and, um, affiliations I've had with them, um, through collective, um, I've learned more about the brain and how it processes. And essentially what it adds up to is measuring the it and the feel factor, right? Like what are those things? And so there's, there's certain things that we understand that you, you, you kind of are what you are, right? Um, you know, it's, it's, uh, one of the you know the ability to track multiple objects at one time there's there's a limitation to how much you can improve that for example um you know so someone may be able to track five at one time someone's going to be able to track three um you're not going to take that three guy to a six guy you know you might take the three to three and a half you know um and and so i i think the the two pieces are one um being in again a system that has kind of a clear um, process and, and an approach to it where, you know, there's, there's, there's solid, um, identifiers and cues that, you know, like, you know, where your eyes are set pre-snap. Um, so you're not wasting time in terms of locating, you know, the, the correct space. Um, you know, how this, the, the muddy areas you get in football are, you know, do you read defenders? Do you read the routes? Do you read the space? Do you read the grass? You know, so what are we reading? Uh, and so guys that I think put, um, you know, really have a system, a systemized approach to those things, that makes it easier for any athlete to perform better. And then it, then there, I think there's ways to, you know, situations you can put athletes in um, to help, um, you know, uh, work on some of those, um, you know, complex situations. I think one of the mistakes we make is as coaches is, is, you know, it, football is at its, at a, it's a highly complex game. There's so many layers to it. And, and if you look at the way that a practice is built out, um, you know, you're starting with your base fundamentals and in individual time, and then it kind of builds up, right? We add other position groups in, we focus on, um, you know, now it's seven on seven. Now it's inside run. 
uh, then it's a modified 11 on 11 and so on. And then it's all the way up into the game. Um, and so there's a balance, right? The fundamentals you learn in, in the base stuff are going to support everything else that you do. Um, but somewhere in between, you know, you want athletes to be able to work through these problems, you know, hundreds of times. Um, so when they see it in the real game, they're like, okay, I've seen this before, you know, the pattern recognition, I see the guy rolling down. Um, so I think in good developers have a great balance of, you know, the key fundamentals. And again, in the NFL, like you said before, you know, individual time, are we really going to be working on like your base throwing form? No, you know, we're, we may like map out some drops adjustments. We're going to make in particular plays. Yeah, you know, this is the adjustment making this week, but the real money's coming in, like, you know, seeing the front, seeing the, the, um, the coverage and then, um, you know, being able to, it's kind of like they're, you know, playing Madden or something where I overlay the play against it. Okay. This is where I want to go pre-snap and then post-snap. Here's what happens and, and so on. So the, the, the complexity I think in football, which makes it so fun also makes it very difficult to coach. Um, and, and why it's like, it, it's such a, 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 a hard thing so yes i think we can improve it um and and you know there's but there's multiple approaches i think we have to take yeah because i mean you gave a good example of you know this the being able to track different objects the guy who tracks three objects doesn't mean that he's a going to be a failure in the nfl it, no. it may very well mean that you could put him in say and i'm giving a i'm making a an assumption here but i would say I bet you could probably put him in a system that we see like in Minnesota and with a lot yeah. of play action passing and roll Absolutely. out to one side of the field and you kind of, you know, and if he's good at being able to do the pre-snap work, if he's good at yeah. being able to hang into a, hang in a pocket and may, and place throws well, um, yeah. then it doesn't matter if he can't read five or six. If he can read wow. three really well and do all the other things well, or maybe he can, or... Maybe he's in, you know, Baltimore and he can buy a lot of time and he hangs in yeah. the pocket like an anchor, you know, but then when you get him outside the pocket, he's the most dangerous player maybe in the open field in yeah. the NFL has ever seen, you know, and, and I'm not saying Lamar can only read three, but from right. what I'm seeing, you know, I look at Kirk Cousins and Lamar Jackson and I can see how maybe it is three to four, you know, whereas yeah. with Mahomes, it's five to six. You know, yeah. with Justin Herbert, you know, that might be interesting to see what he is. But, yeah. you know, those are it's and I think that's what makes it so difficult is we're always looking for a a template, especially people yeah. in the media. They're always looking for a simple answer. And yeah. it, it's not a, there's never a simple answer because yeah. it's, there's so many different combinations. No, and that that's that's it, because you, you're it's like someone asked, you know, how you coach quarterbacks. Um, I mean, I have a process and approach, but how I coach quarterback A to, compared to how I coach quarterback B is is considerably different. It really is. Um, and it, it, you look at it like a, a roster, it's like you're coaching, you know, you got look at a college roster with seven quarterbacks on there. There's like five or six of those quarterbacks that aren't getting any coaching. <laughs> you, <laughs> you know, I don't care what you say. It's very hard to coach to the masses. Um and so being able to have that individualized approach, I think yeah, how you coach quarterbacks, well, it depends on, on what type of quarterback and how that quarterback is. And then does that match up with the seat, the, the system and so on. And I think that's that's very, very important is individualizing your approach, you know, um, to 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 the guy. And I think that's, you know. On the basic level, I totally get like having like, hey, this is how we do things around here. This is our system. But I think what you find is, um, you know, the elite quarterbacks, they all have their system that they run. Um, and then they have all the cheat codes and hacks, right? Like it's, it's, you know, once you've been doing something for 20 years and it's the same thing, well, you're going to, you're going to know every little angle. Know, like, yeah. 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 So letting that player do that, I think, uh, I think that's the, the sustained greatness we see from, you know, the Rogers and the Brady's and the breezes, you know, they have hacked all the codes in the, in the system. They have, there's nothing they haven't seen. Yeah. Um, and, and so, you know, the, is that coaching? I mean, I guess you could say it's coaching, but, um, 
those guys have, yeah. have, have been around the block enough to, to figure it out. Or allowing that environment to occur without stif yeah. not stifling them, you know, yeah. which is yeah, maybe exactly. half the battle. So, so what have you, you know, what have you learned over years of developing from a throwing standpoint? Yeah. What are some lessons that you've learned over those, over this period of time that, that, that you would share that's that's valuable that's been valuable to you yeah no i think that's that's something i've thought about and I've, I've i've uh had the approach in in coaching that um early on i used to think i had it figured out until the next time i found out i hadn't figured it out <laughs> and, and so and then i then i just like okay so when i feel good about something i i'll just pretend that it's not good because it's going to change tomorrow um and and so I, I've kind of kept that mentality, you know, um, you know, student first, teacher second, um, throughout my my most recent um, chunk of my career. Um, but I've I have arrived, I think, in a space where I feel very confident, and it's you know been tested over and over again. I'm like, okay, I think I'm at a point where you know there's not much more out there. Um, that that needs to change um now again i say that knowing that that may all change next year um but some <laughs> of the good lessons that i've learned and I, th I think most recently working in um with other uh types of trainers you know there's a a rise of you know you, you kind of have the quarterback trainer um which you know i fit in the category of and there's a lot of quarterback trainers nationally um and then there's been a slow seepage of kinesiology, uh, movement, um, experts kind of work their way in now. Right. And, and a lot of it's like, we're meeting at a point where, oh, we're talking about some of the same things. And then, um, and then we're very different in other areas. Um, and so in the industry as a whole, you've got your quarterback coach or your football team, you know, um, here's the offense we run, here's the process we do. Um, you know, go work with your quarterback coach in the off season, go work with the strength trainer. Well, now there's, there's another guy in there who's the movement, um, you know, kinesiology specialist. Right. Um, and, and so what I've found and where I've arrived at is, is that, um, I used to consider myself, um, you know, a biomechanics guru or an expert in terms of like sequencing and timing. And the reality is, is like, I'm not, um, cause I've had access to the 3d, um technology now the marketless technology where you can break down a throw and you can see the degrees of separation of the hips and and the uh, degrees and 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 rotation and what angles of passive layback we have what i quickly realized is the that my role in this is 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 a little bit more uh let's go back to the doctor analogy um i'm a really good plastic surgeon um <laughs> you know <laughs> i'm good at making things look better than than they probably should be. And then the, the movement guys and some of the good ones out there, uh, I think Bobby Stroop, um, who works with Mahomes and, and Jalen Hurts and some other guys, uh, does a really fantastic job. Um, we both worked um, uh, together with um, uh, uh, Jordan Blank, University of Texas, Indianapolis Colts. Um, oh, oh, Ellinger, uh, Sam Ellinger. Oh, Sam, Sam, yes, yeah. Sam, uh, Sam, a mutual, um, a mutual client. Um, and um and then uh locally here in Ponte Vedra, we have a guy uh, dr tom gormelli who who works with um uh, all the quarterbacks that i have in this area um and 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 there's a crossover right a lot of these guys work with baseball players too and quarterbacks it's like wait oh so what i started realizing is, is this whole patterning and sequencing world out there that to a certain extent needs to be kept off the football field. It's almost, you can do more damage than good, um, you know, by trying to become a, you know, biomechanics guru as a quarterback coach. Um, I'm good at communicating feel and changes and, and identifying when something doesn't look right in, in terms of the arm and, and um, the movement and the timing of things, and then taking the information from the experts that do the work in the weight room um, you know, the, the, the patterning, the movements and taking that and then up, go, taking it onto the field with the player and making sure that crossover happens effectively. Um, hey, here's what, you know, Tom said over here. Okay, let's apply this in this session. 
I don't think you did it on that rep. I think you did it on that rep. Um, and so that's, I've learned that to stay in my own lane, um, so to say. Sure. A- and then, um, you know, it, 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 part of the problem with the way I coach is that it's, it's hard to, so it's hard to replicate, right? Because it's just now it's years of experience and, and seeing all these thousands and thousands of reps. Um, so there's, there's certain truths in throwing that I do understand that I think are, uh, uh, across the board will always work. But, you know, the approach you take in, in individually, I think, is you know, the artistry in what I do. Um, and then having that support system with the, the movement um, throwing type coach, I think, is so important. I mean, I, we, I'm a, in a position now where I feel that as a professional quarterback, um, you should have uh, your, you know, what you do in your team. You should have your private quarterback coach and you should have someone that connects the weight room to throwing. I'm not talking just weight room. It has to be connection of weight room to throwing. We can't train quarterbacks the way we train offensive linemen. It just doesn't. They're just completely different athletes. Um, and, uh, you know, I think you see that. I think the Stroop, Stroop, Bobby Stroop knows that Mahomes is Mahomes. He's like, you know, the, a lot of that's DNA. Yeah. But that guy's also done a phenomenal job at, at maximizing um, a guy that jogs like an old person on the field, right? Like the, you know, yeah. he, and he's really dialed um, in, I think, um, on, on some of those things. So that part of it, I think, is so important for guys developing. That's awesome. And and it's yeah. it's 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 fascinating to see how you fit things together that are disparate, and then also find you know where you where you know your your limits with that and and who you are and what you do because yeah and and because what you do is a craft you know and with that in mind it's interesting though because I've always I've I've been wanting to ask you this for a while is are there are there arche- have you thought about throwers in terms of archetypes like are there like a certain archetypes of quarterbacks or throwers that that sure. may be a rough archetype maybe it's not something that you've refined to the point where you're Absolutely. like but what what are they who what are the yeah. archetypes that you That's encounter great question um so there's there's uh yeah there's all these little groups where guys fit in i think one of the um the and this is actually backed up by some of the uh the markerless the 3d mocap technology um there's basically uh tight throwers and loose throwers um okay and and so i think um where we see that is in okay so a guy with a and i'm this is just a a guess just based on the way he looks but um uh, Zach Wilson, loose, whippy. He's got a lot of counter rotation at the beginning of his throw. You can see, like, when he's throwing, his shoulder is going to be whoop, all the way over here. He's like, look, that the whole chest and with the hips, there's so much separation there um, uh, in, in a great way, right? But that might, the way that he does that might not be good for, um, you know, maybe Jimmy Garoppolo or someone, right? So, um, some guys are a little bit more wound tight physically. They have less passive layback, um, and, and layback being that external rotation we see, you know, in Mahomes when he's throwing the deep ball, he's got unbelievable external rotation to, the, to lay that ball back. That's where, yeah, you know, a ton of the velocity is generated. Where a guy might have less of that, they're a little bit more tightly wound, um, and so that predicates like you know, how they approach their off seasons, um, you know, and then what adjustments they make mechanically. Um, so what we found is that, you know, some guys, you don't want um, a lot of internal rotation or that uh, counter rotation of that front shoulder at the beginning of the throw. We're just going to be more stable and still with it and let the hips move that way. Um, and so the, yeah, the tight and the loose throws, I think are maybe the, um, the two basic groupings that we have. Um, and then um, from there, I think some of the other um, uh, things that will counter are um, backstroke, like wh- how they approach their backstroke in terms of, you know, if you see Brady, he's got more of a nose down. Um, now that it's still circular and there's still, you know, the, the load on the backside, but he doesn't have that traditional, you know, double L takeaway. Um, it's a little bit more of like a shift and up quickly. Um and, and so understanding that 
not everyone is here and some people are here um you know from a timing standpoint if everything matches this areas it's really about like not changing it right it's like it's not it can't be a one-size-fits-all fits approach you know we used to call it t template coaching is the biggest mistake you can make as a coach it's like you know oh i like the way um aaron Rodgers throws so i'm going to teach all my quarterbacks that way you know that well, that's, that's not you got to kind of double down on who they are so i think those are some of the, the good ones you know backstroke um tight versus loose thrower um and then um you know i think uh is, is it a guy the guy that can um internally rotate their front leg well so that that determines where their front foot can go they can play wider than others they can play tighter than others um so those are things that we look at for sure yeah it's gonna ask you about the feet like what who yeah. were who what what happened you know if there were differences with base and who who, yeah. are, good, who are good examples of guys with like the tight the mm -hmm. with the tight and more the wider you know that you could well i think the feet the feet it, it, what we found with with the lower body um is that there's maybe there's is a couple different ways to approach this problem right so it's like um the best analogy i found this is dr um uh greg rose with um on base you um was doing an online presentation that i was watching um and dr greg rose just people know is um tpi so he's the golf um performance facility he was on the forefront of 3d motion capture technology it was kind of like before it was cool, he was all over it. And he's a guy that worked very closely with Tom House um, early on to give that kind of layer to it, right? So, well, he describes in hitting um, the, uh, if you have a slingshot, you can kind of pull the back of the slingshot back and fire it. You can hold it and pull the front of the slingshot away and fire it. Or you can kind of pull them both apart at the same time and fire it however you do it you can get to the same the end point by pulling away pulling away pulling apart right so the way you, we started looking at hip rotation and throwers um and we found this worked is you can create that separate so in in throwing hip and shoulder separation that's optimum about 35 degrees of separation is what we're looking for um some have more some have less uh but you can create hip separation by moving your shoulders right so why why this matters is well if your feet are set over here and you can't move and the throw is over here um to get some torque in the throw you might do this more from the top of the throw to create the hip and shoulder separation rather than firing the hips first does that make sense yeah so it's like you're using the shoulders to create the torque um initially because the feet aren't in the correct position you see rogers do this a lot on um quick game I should say, if it's a quick game, now screens where they're like going to, you know, throw it. Um, it's probably an RPO where he can hand it off or he's going to throw it to the flat real quick. Where he'll be set and you'll see this huge snap and fire of his shoulders um, and, and his feet are pointing somewhere downfield. Um, so guys that are able to separate, I think Mahomes has something like 210 degrees or 220 degrees of rotation in his spine some unbelievable <laughs> amount right yeah so for for guys that are you know actually in the rpo world it works really well because you can set your feet on the run ride it ride it ride it and then make any throw you want at any angle without having to quickly reset your feet and i guess the the way to see in 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 coaching a lot of times at the very fundamental level we're going to teach you to get your feet set to the throw and then make the throw the consistent throw um you know but if if you have a guy that can kind of adapt and not have to set his feet is that a better in better yeah. quarterback yeah, yeah right like doesn't matter i'll just throw it anyway right you know exactly so that, that little battle we play in our in our heads as coaches like well should i coach that out of him because that doesn't look right but he gets it there every single time and so i think that pays off long term it might frustrate you early on with some guys it's like, yeah, if they can like just torque it and rip it and get it over there and it's faster than everybody else, then what are we doing? You know, so it just requires that dealing with that failure early on, I think, up front. It's amazing when you think from one level that football is a little over 100 years old and and that may seem old to a lot of people listening to this, um, but it's a very young sport and you can see how young yeah. it is just by from the 
from the from the discussion oh, yeah. that you've just brought up of like, should I coach this out of him? Should I not? It's everything's a new frontier because oh, of, of these guys. And I'm just curious with you because you know, you've coached a lot of people. I know that you've coached some pro quarterbacks kids yeah. in addition yep. to pro quarterbacks, in addition yeah. to college quarterbacks. Yeah. What's a situation for you? What's like the ideal situation when like uh, a parent and kid comes in? Like uh-huh. what's the ideal that you're like, when you get this, you're like, I would pay to get this on a regular basis yeah. if it would happen. Yeah. Uh, a talented, rich parent that doesn't want anything to do with uh, the training sessions. How about that? You know? <laughs> <laughs> That's a great start. Yeah. You know, um, yeah. And and no, what about the kid? Like, are there yeah. are there kid are there parents who do you do you find yourself in situations where you're like, the parent wants this more than the kid wants this? Oh my gosh, yeah, yes, a lot. Okay. yeah. So yeah, youth sports. I don't. I I think it's the same all around, right? And and the younger they are, the more hope they have of their child being in the NFL. All right, because the dream is still far enough away for no one to really see the trajectory. Uh, yeah, exactly. Right? <laughs> and so you've got, you know, it's like I think Johnny's got a chance. I'm like Johnny's six years old. Um, you know, he might, <laughs> might want to wear a dress next week. Who knows? You know, exactly. So, um, I think it's it, what I found, and, and you know, kind of digging back into like the development side of things. It's like long-term athletic development approach, right? It's this, this LTAD model um, where, you know, kids have basically stages of development and, and there's stages that they, you want that to be focused on play and self-discovery. And then there's other stages where they're wordy for a little bit of coaching. Um, so, you know, from a, from a kid's standpoint, I think there is, you know, I have, I have clients still to this day that I work with that I started with when they were 10 years old. Now is every 10 year old, uh, ready to be coached in private quarterback training. No, in fact, most aren't like, it's probably fine if you just leave it alone and come back at it, you know, in a couple years from now. Um, and, and so, you know, but if it, unfortunately it reinforces maybe some things that aren't necessarily true. If, you know, a, if you've been working with someone since they were nine or 10 years old and then they have success, well, then it's like, oh, well, then that's the way to do it. Right. Um, just like, you know, some of my professional clients have been they're always the biggest resource of referrals because like, well, who do you work with? Well, I work with this guy. OK, I need to work with that guy. Well, if you're not talented, it doesn't matter. Right. Yeah. Like we can get better, but you're not going to the NFL. Um, so. You know, I found like the the golden age is somewhere in like that 12 to 13 year old age group, right? It's like where, you know, some 12 year olds are already acting like 14 year olds. Some 13 year olds act like 10 year olds. Um, but that, that you know, seventh, eighth grade, I think is always like a very interesting, in, in, you know, you're also, and that's, this is changing, but for the most part, um, they don't know they're any good yet. So they'll still listen. Um, but now with social media and, and, you know, QB dads who are just absolutely out of control. Um, I mean, it's, I hope you guys are listening. I know you won't listen though. Um, even if it's, it's preach, just, yeah, it's, uh, preach. it's, it's, it's just like, it, you know, if it's going to work out, it's going to work out. Um, and I think you want to help your kid and give them every opportunity they can. I'm a, I am a QB dad. I have a freshman quarterback son. Um, you know, decided to play f- quarterback at uh, years ago and i was like oh why are you doing this to me um because i know what's ahead right yeah. um but yeah the, you know i think that that's a really good age group um i think that you know if they are playing quarterback um you know the problem with with specialization in sports now is this this issue with deselection right so if you're not if you're not um involved in something you know you're not on this team or you're not with this organization you might never have a chance to get any snaps, right? So how does that work out? But I see for the most part, you know, at the end of the day, like in high school football, for the most part, the best kids are going to play. Um, and so if they're worthy of playing, they'll get their opportunities and then they'll get recruited. I think it typically works out that way for the most part. Yeah. And, I'm, uh, and yeah. there's there's obviously exceptions to every rule and it's a big, big country out here, yeah. a big world out here with all that. But, but it's also fascinating because one of the things you touched on is that, you know, when you talk about, 
they're either going to do it or they're not, you know, like to a degree, like, you know, one of the things that you said, there's like a fundamental level of like the kid has it or he, or he doesn't and I can develop to a certain extent. So it, it seems like if we circle back to the NFL, the conversation then kind of comes around to like someone like Drew Brees, who I remember listening to on right. an NFL show talking about Marty Schottenheimer. And he sure. talked about how Schottenheimer, he credits Schottenheimer for his NFL level development. And, yeah. and a lot of that was because he said, I know a lot of people think it was Sean Payton. And he goes, you know, and he had nice things, obviously, to say about yeah. Coach Payton. But he said that it was the fact that he got sat down in games when he started to to veer off course and make mistakes that was hurting the team where Schottenheimer would bench him and just take the approach of like, you're still my guy. I still believe yep. in you. You're just not seeing things the way you need to see them. So sit down and watch. We're going to put Flutie in or we're going to put whoever else they had in yeah. at the time. And if this game gets close again, I'm bringing you back in. And you're going to get a chance to win it. You know, yeah. which is interesting because he said, I learned so much being able to do that because I didn't create bad habits trying right. to, to do too much. At the same time, I had a, a coach who had confidence in me. But he also had a coach who was who had enough tenure and enough cred in the NFL that he wasn't looking over his shoulder, even if maybe yeah. his GM didn't like him, you know, and they didn't get along well together. He seemed there aren't many coaches in the NFL who have the security of your job security or confidence in them. So say, well, they fire me, I'll go somewhere else. You know, there's not that yeah. kind of thing anymore in the NFL. So it's easy for someone like me to write about Drew Brees and it would be nice to see see them bring back this way of doing things as opposed to just throwing them into the into the into the mm-hmm. frying pan and turning up the heat, you know, immediately and hoping they get a good sear and then winding oh, up with yeah. like a burnt piece of meat, you know, that they yep. treat these guys to be. Um, but it's like I look at that and you go, Well, that's that's getting that's almost like getting out of the way. A lot of that was getting out of the way as a coach. And in right. contrast, you have someone like, I'll bring up Drew Locke because I know a little bit about him and I don't know sure. what you know with him. Yeah. But, you know, I always, when I watched him, I you, you got this sense that he was this unbelievably talented thrower of the football in mm-hmm. a very pure sense of just, you know, yeah. Going for power and velocity, that kind of thing. He could place it downfield yeah. in a lot of ways. But when you watched him when you watched him in non conference games at Missouri and he did all of the stuff that approximated some of the things that Mahomes does and does well, mm-hmm. you you would go people would go, Oh, it's Patrick Mahomes, but he's compares to Patrick Mahomes. But then you'd right. watch him against an Alabama or a Florida or a Georgian and he looked like the kid who was like the smart kid in a physics class who didn't do his homework and now here's for the for the past month and now's the test and now he's trying to do it the right way that they were teaching the techniques they're asking him to yeah. do and he's not able to do it because you can't just learn this overnight you may understand it in your head but you can't convert it if you haven't done the little work so i i've always wondered about that and i asked you know, he ended up in Denver, and my colleague yeah. at, at a, and football guys, the side I, I also work with, is Cecil Lammy, who covers the Broncos. And he once asked Drew Locke's father about this because Drew Locke's father was there, and and the father was like, "Yeah, for years I've tried to, I've tried to encourage him to to work at these little details, and and apparently, interesting. Parent Peyton Manning had offered his, um, you know early on offered any type of advice or communication that they wanted to have about the game or whatever. If you need, you know, anything I can do for you, let me know. And it took Teddy Bridgewater coming into camp this year for him to contact (laughs) Peyton Manning. And I thought, you know, and, and there's, you know, there's a lot of people listening to that who would think, wow, you know, and I, and I'll be brutal about it when I say it. Somebody would go, well, wow, what an idiot. How do you like turn down Peyton Manning or not take advantage of that? But at the same time, what that tells you is, you know, maybe Drew Locke 
you know, one, he was, you know, coaches probably said, work on this, work on this. Yep. But we won the game, so they're not going to bench you over that, you know. And right. sure, you lost Alabama, you lost to Georgia, you lost to Florida. We can live with that at Missouri. You know, maybe we don't want to live with that. But, you know, they are the superior programs that we've been trying to get over the hump with. You yeah. know, as long as he wasn't an absolute disaster, no one's going to do anything. So he's been enabled in a sense from a coaching standpoint because they don't have the they don't have the power or the ability or the resources to say I'm benching you because I know you can be better than this you know yeah. and to make example you're winning for us why why would I do that why you might just transfer you know yeah. so a, as a result of that and go somewhere else and be super successful and now I look bad and I'm going to get fired for the fact that you know so these complexities happen and then you think about Drew himself and you go he's in his early 20s you know, yeah. you know, maybe he looks back on on that, looks back on this and goes, "Wow, what I could have done." Or he looks back on it and goes, "I really didn't love football that much." Like, yeah. and and that's okay too. Like, hopefully, you know, it, football did great for me, but I didn't have that driving desire to be perfect with everything I do, like a Breeze, a Manning, a, a Brady, yeah. and a Rogers, things like that. And and I think that's the. You know, that's the part of this that people don't understand. It's like you can look at a breeze and go, "It." Uh, his parents probably could have told him, you're never going to be a good quarterback. They probably could have told him, his coaches probably could have said, you're never going to be good, like good enough to be in, in you know, at, play at a Division One level. You're not going to get offers. And he's going to continue to drive himself to get there. Yeah. Whereas a guy like Locke, everyone might tell him how great he could be, but if he doesn't love it and doesn't have that internally. Absolutely. So it's it's fascinating the, the, the two stories of how that goes. And especially with what you get from, you know, as a coach and you see like the the dynamics of, you know, kids and parents with that. Yeah. And I, I knew uh, Rich Scangarello was there. Um, was that his rookie year? Um, I think so. Yeah. Think yeah. And he was injured for a chunk of that. Um, but, and, and um, conversations that I had was that he was trending in the right way. And he, when he got injured, um, they gave him a chance to actually, he, that was full, like kind of you're benched by default, you know, there's nothing you can do about it. And uh, not putting words in Rich's mouth, but sure. what I recall, he was very um, encouraged by, the progress he had made just from sitting back and watching and going through things and, and um, you know, moving the chains. And so I know that I'd felt good about it after that year, but after that, um, yeah, I, I'm not sure what it is. I do know that he's the type of player that thrives on um, making, you know, kind of post snap adjustments. Yes. So he's probably more of a guy that's like, where Manning's going to get you ready into the right concept, or right? it's almost like the, uh, you know, um, the Andrew Luck Stanford um, approach. It's the, you know, let's get in the right, right, the right check. It might take us out of a pass, whatever the ca case is. Pre-snap, we're in the right play. Whereas, you know, I, from from what I understood, Luck was a uh, lock was a little bit more of a, um, okay, here's the play snap it okay yep he did that he did that boom right and it's like i'm gonna make this happen based on that so yeah. and i think there's probably a blend in between where you want you know i i think that's probably what rogers is a great example of is being able to be a pre-snap adjuster and then a post-snap you know magician um and and uh and then you know there's your inside the pocket guys and outside the pocket guys you can do both of those too right so um yeah, it's tough, and, I, and again, like I don't know um, staff-wise there what he what he's who he's working with, but um, you know it'll be one of those. It'll be interesting to see where that goes, and if he can get a fresh start, it doesn't work out somewhere else, and and maybe he's uh, you know gonna. Be, it's kind of like Tannehill, right? Like yeah, um, yeah, you know, yeah. It was Tennessee for the most part. The guy's been pretty amazing. Uh, yeah, it helps when you have that guy back there running the ball. Um, but still, the guy has done a fantastic job. He's played job good he's, football. Yeah, really has, really has. Yeah. So again, and it goes back down to you know, kind of, I think the system you're in, um, the system you're in, and how that system is adapted to your strengths. Um, 
Who's you know, and, and that's who who have you who have you enjoyed watching? You know, whether it's at the college level or at the pro level, who's maybe a younger quarterback or or a mm-hmm. guy? At, you know, that yeah, that, that fans should you get it you that you appreciate yeah. that fans should appreciate. Yeah, so I do um, every every generally Sunday and Monday. Um, I'll do my. Uh, uh, I, I'm still interested in doing this. Like I barely watch any football live anymore. Like I just I can't sit through commercials and, and commentators. It drives me up the wall. Um, I really go hang out and do stuff with my kids, and then but then every Sunday morning, every Monday morning, I like mainline. Um, I've got a very specific group of, of people and, and teams that I'm super interested in every time. And so there's no hesitation that I'll always watch what Rogers does. I'm just always so intrigued. Um, and I think, you know, even now it's like, he start, someone says like, he barely even appreciate the, the level of throws he's making. And I'm like, no, I still do. It's still amazing. <laughs> um, so the NFL level, it's generally, um, you know, it's, it's Rogers, um, Kyla Murray, um, I love watching him play. I, I think that he does things that are that are uh, elite, and I, I I'm just such a fan of shorter quarterbacks having success too. So that's really exciting. Um, and even for for Kyler being so athletic, um, I just feel like he's so elite in the pocket um, for an athletic guy that can make so much stuff happen happen outside of it. Him, um, I'm really intrigued by Zach Wilson every weekend, um, and it's more from like. He's the type of guy, uh, and I don't know what, you know, I've never worked with him. I've never seen him in person, but he's the type of, like, you fall in love with that guy's throw. I have. I did. The way that he played at BYU, where I'm blinded. Like, it's like I just want it to work because it's so pretty. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah, so I just, I just, I think it's it's put together well. The three D QB guys, I think, have done a great job, and he's he's talented. Hey, will will work out or not? I don't know, but I'm very intrigued by that. Um, I just think it's fun to watch, and but on the college end of it, I think um, I I smash through every single Western Kentucky film there is out there. I'm so intrigued by Bailey Zappi um, and the offense they run there, and. Anytime anyone puts up that much that you know those uh, that much yardage and, and scores that many touchdowns, I, I don't care where it's at. I just want to know, like, what are you guys doing? Because it it is it has to be special. Um, it can't just be like, oh, it's just Western Kentucky with a bunch of better players. You know, um, no, they got a quarterback and a great offensive coordinator, and they're shredding it there. Um, I'll always watch that, and then um, you know, big fan of obviously Caleb Williams at Oklahoma. I always check out what he's doing. I've had an opportunity to work with him over the years too. So, um, and then uh, the uh, Fresno State quarterback Jake Hayner, I think out there um, now looks like manned up somewhere else because his head coach left and went back to Washington. I'll always bang through his film. Um, I think again, offensively, what they're doing and pushing the ball down the field i'm intrigued um so i'll i'll bounce between offensive coordinators offenses um i'll watch every single mississippi state film um i I'm just a fan of leech um you know whether the air raid is good or not i i'm not going to get in that argument but i just love what they do and that they they they're winning and they're having a, a good year um and i just enjoy leech talking um i just think he's so interesting um no dog in the race there. Like, I don't care. I just, I'm intrigued by it. But yeah, that's usually my process for the most part. And then I'll you know, find some other interesting performance on the NFL and side of things and go, okay, who, who did this? And, and I'll go check it out for sure. That's great. Um, is there anything that you, you want to share, tell with people about what you're doing or working on that people, yeah. you know? Yeah, man, absolutely. So yeah, um, right now, so based out of Ponte Vedra, Florida, I work out of a, a great facility um, with a guy by the name of uh, um, Denny Thompson, who owns Six Points, um, which is if, if you look online, you ever see Red Turf, that's our facility. Um, and it's a quarterback specific facility. We've got a number of NFL players, um, college players and high school players that are coming through that facility on an annual basis. Uh, and youth, youth, youth players got about uh, one, two, three, four, five coaches that work through there, quarterback coaches, um, and then uh, Torque Sports Performance, uh, the Torque Performance out in Ponte Vedra. Um, I think those guys do great things. So working with those two 
um, two groups has been super awesome locally here. Um, obviously, the QB Collective stuff, um, yeah, I think it's an intriguing thing to keep track of. Um, the coaches that are moving in and out of the organization and um, – and then, um, the, you know, the quarterback development side, it's always it's always fun to see. I think it's been great for me getting access to, um, you know, guys that you've seen on television for many years. And, you know, I can sit down. I mean, I got to hang out with Nathaniel Hackett for two days, um, wow. you know, and 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 just became the biggest fan of that guy. Um, and then, you know, a bunch of other great, great coaches um, that, that, that come out to it. You know, we've had all, you know, McVeigh and just Shanahan and, and um, LaFleur's both brothers um, had a chance to meet and work with those guys. So it's been, that's been the, the greatest thing is getting to see the, the, the highest level of, of that. And that's always, it's fun to see where that's going to go to. So that's, that's basically what I'm doing. And then good old um, St. Augustine high school down here in St. John's County, Florida, one of the oldest high schools in the country. Um, and, uh, you know, coaching high school ball down there with some good people and, and really enjoying uh exploring that world because um I, I felt very confident as a private quarterback coach i'm i'm not very good as a high school football coach i'm trying to figure that part of it out so well, <laughs> well you know it's a little harder than i thought hey yeah. certainly i mean it's a it's a new area so you know yeah. i'm sure listen you know um if you've you've tuned into this conversation you get the you get the sense of the modesty that will hewlett has because you know will's known uh you know in his area um and is thought of very highly and and we think of him very highly here and you know it's an honor to have you on will and we appreciate, appreciate you that. know getting able to chop it up like this and you know you can find me at mount waldman rs at mount waldman on twitter you can find my work at mount waldman um the rsp will be available for 2022 for pre-sale um, very soon in a couple of weeks, I got to get through some projections here for the package for what we do for the fantasy football folks. Um, I'm going to get back to work on that. So, uh, you guys have a nice week and we'll talk to you soon.